0: Hello and welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and the founder of PCOS Diva. My mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health and happiness. If you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com because there I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, and Instagram as well. Today I have the privilege of talking to Dr. Brooke Kalanak and I actually discovered uh, Dr. Brooke on a fantastic blog, I don't know if you've heard of it, um, it's called Girls Gone Strong and I invited her to come um, on the podcast to kind of talk about how to train if you have PCOS and I I know I've talked a lot about um, different exercise modalities um, like yoga and um, we've done some, some pieces on high intensity interval training um, and really how to um, exercise to avoid ad- adrenal fatigue, but I'm hearing from a lot of women um, that are wondering, well, you know what, I love running, I, I love training for marathons, I really like working out hard, um, you know, CrossFit type exercises, uh, and, you know, how do I avoid exhaustion and adrenal issues if that's how I want to work out? So, Dr. Brooke, I've, uh, I'm have i hoping that you can give us some, some advice on how to kind of, you uh, uh, customize our workout programs so we don't avoid, so we can avoid aggravating our PCOS
1: symptoms. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah. So it's, it is a tricky balance. Um, partly, you know, you and I were just talking off-air that uh, most of us with PCOS, I have PCOS, PCOS myself, so um, this is something really close to my heart. Um, But part of the issue with women with PCOS is we don't just have PCOS. We have a lot of other things going on, and it's very common to not only have some sort of dysregulation with your female hormones and the hormone insulin, but to also have issues with adrenal stress issues, thyroid issues, inflammation. And so there's a whole, you know, usually symphony of stuff that's going on with us. And so it's very rare that I ever see a woman who just simply is dealing with PCOS. They're out there. Um, But most of the women with a lot of questions and who are struggling are trying to balance that and uh, kind of synthesize all that they've learned for themselves and all that they hear about PCOS and try to help that work with um, how they should be working out and eating when they most often have, you know, some other hormone issues. And, of course, you can do some testing to look at adrenal issues, thyroid issues, you know, blood work for thyroid. I really like the saliva testing for um, looking at a cortisol rhythm throughout the day. But you can learn a lot by just your symptoms. So I think if women are on the line now going, well, I don't know if I have, I know I have PCOS, but I don't know if I have any of these other issues, there's a lot of questions you can just answer, and I do on my website have a free quiz that you can kind of walk through different hormones and take a look, and they're all laid out individually, so if you just want to know if you have a thyroid problem, you can look at that. So betterbydrbrook.com is my website, and those quizzes are free, and you can just kind of take a look and walk through some symptoms. Um, adrenal issues, whether they're low or high, um, low thyroid issues, Hashimoto's, all those sorts of things that um, are very, very common to have when you have PCOS.
0: And I just want to give everyone kind of a, um, an overview of your background too because you are sure. a naturopathic doctor. You got um, your degree from Bastyr University and you have a clinic in Manhattan where you focus on treating women with Hashimoto's, hypothyroidism and PCOS as well as other female hormone imb- hormonal imbalances and you, um, you're really an expert on metabolic nutrition, fat loss resistance and fitness. It's kind of your area of, of focus. So that's why I'm so thrilled that you're yeah. on um, yeah. our podcast today to talk about those those topics. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and so... And, and so I guess um, I think what I wanted to ask you is, um, you know, in addition to, like, the the testing um, to kind of figure out sort of what, what type of PCOS you're dealing with, um, you know, adding, uh, finding out if you have a a thyroid condition or if you have cortisol issues. Um, Do you think that there's kind of different types of exercise that are, that are better for these different phenotypes of PCOS? I know I'm, I, I'm more of that thin phenotype, um, but I also have a lot of adrenal issues, and I find uh, it was funny, I remember being in college and, and running all the time, and that was kind of my form of exercise, and still, could, you know, at, at that time, I was dealing with a lot of insulin resistance, b- basically because my diet was awful, um, and I couldn't lose weight, but then when I got a shin splint and had to walk, the weight started dropping off, Um And it was kind of, it just didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, And I I remember later in my 20s and 30s, I started taking up um, lifting and and doing more heavy lifting. And that really helped my PCOS symptoms, building that muscle. Um, So I've kind of learned from trial and error that, um, you know, I can't do a lot of running. I do a lot of walking or I rebound. Um, And then I really like, um, resistance training like Pure Bar um, or using exercise bands instead of um, like the heavy weights because I find that I bulk up too much um, with heavy weights. So maybe you could, uh, I'm wondering if the, the best way to approach this is maybe to look at sort of these different phenotypes of PCOS and maybe talk about the best types of exercise for us.
1: Yeah, so, and also it's important to kind of look at what someone's, you know, not every, why you work with a lot of women with PCOS that want to lose weight. So there's that whole thing. And then there's other women who maybe are not looking to lose weight, but they're trying to um, improve their body composition just by being stronger, or they're just trying to be, you know, healthy and active, or they're just trying to help use exercise to be healthy and manage their um, PCOS symptoms. Or they're like some of the people you mentioned in the intro that there's just certain kind of exercises that they really love to do, and it may not, it may be flaring up their s- symptoms. So yeah, I sort of there's a categorization I guess going around of PCOS of there's lean type, lean type and heavy type, and I just don't love that because I think we kind of associate heavy with bad. Um, and lean with good and i feel like a lot of us have a lot of body image stuff that goes on and we don't really need that label mm-hmm. one more thing to contend with so i like to keep it a little less personal and a little more about the biochemistry so what's going on with pcos women when they look so different and this is such a huge problem because you know you hear women that go into their doctor saying i really think i might be dealing with this and they or their personal trainer and that person puts them well you don't look like you have pcos so you know, I'm not even going to bother looking past that. So hopefully this is, you know, changing. I think where more and more experts are talking about the range, and hopefully we'll have a new categorization and a different way to think about PCOS than the way we do now, which is, I think, a, a very limiting. So when we think of women that are um, all dealing with some form of insulin resistance, we have to remember that that's not a black and white thing there is a degree of insulin resistance and a degree of insulin sensitivity for women-to-women women throughout the day and tissue-to-tissue. Tissue. So most of the time we're thinking about are you resistant, how, are your muscle cells resistant to the message of insulin? Are your fat cells resistant to the message of insulin? So Remember, insulin is that hormone that helps whatever we eat, nutrients get into our muscle cells for use or into our, you know, fat cells for storage. So when a woman doesn't have a... Um, a difficult time losing weight, or they don't tend to put on a lot of body fat, I tend to think of them, and this is sort of my own framework, is they're having more trouble getting fat, I'm sorry, getting fuel into a fat cell, but they have a pretty easy time getting it into a muscle cell. So they're using things a little bit better, and they're able to take things in, use them and not store as much fat. Whereas the other type of woman that's dealing with more body fat, they're more resistant at the muscle level and they're accepting, basically more sensitive at the, the fat level. So they're easy for them to put on fat and not as easy for them to utilize fuel that they eat in their muscles. So they feel more fatigue and more less exercise intolerance. So that's just a simple, um, just looking at the insulin resistance piece of this. So just remembering that they're the sensitivity or the resistance that we have to this hormone can be a little bit different sort of throughout our body. And that's one of the reasons that it looks so different on different women. And the women that tend to take in um, nutrients easier into their muscles and not as well into their fat, they tend to also be the ones with more adrenal stress issues, so more of that adrenal fatigue, dealing with lower cortisol, lower blood sugar problems, whereas women with um, that put on body fat easier, they tend to deal with more higher cortisol issues. Now that, again, is kind of a generalization because we can have a whole range of adrenals and stress and cortisol issues throughout our lives, right? There's going to be a time where we might be much more wiped out and lower cortisol. There might be just a time of day where currently, you know, we're doing okay and we have a big dip in the afternoon. So there's a lot of variation with our stress hormones and our insulin resistance, even within just, like, one woman having PCOS. Then there's the whole thyroid conversation. But just dealing with those things, we have to really honor these two hormones, insulin and cortisol, I think... First and foremost, one, because you do need a blood test to assess your thyroid, so there's part of that we just have to get a little bit more help with and a little more information. But with insulin and cortisol, I love these hormones because they're they're major master hormones. They have an effect on how your estrogen and your progesterone and your thyroid and everything else works. So if they're not in balance, you're going to have a really hard time, let's say, sorting out estrogen dominance or low progesterone. We really have to honor them first. The other thing that's really great about these two is that you have a fair amount of control over them. You know, we have mm-hmm. a lot of control over what we eat and when we eat and how we decide to handle stress and how much to decide to put an emphasis on sleep and stress management. So we have a lot of um, say in how these go. And then we also have this beautiful thing that happens all day long, which these hormones are talking to us. They're giving us feedback constantly about how they're doing and do they like what you're doing? Do they like your lack of sleep? Do they like the fact that you're eating the food you might be sensitive to? Do they like the fact that you um, are overcarving for your unique metabolism or under-eating fiber? So these signals, I use the acronym ACEs all the time, so appetite, cravings, energy, and sleep. So if you're having issues with appetite cravings or energy between meals, that tends to mean you're dealing more with issues, you know, with lower blood sugar and lower cortisol problems. When we eat something and have appetite cravings, energy changes after we eat, that can mean that we have sort of overshot our insulin capacity, and that can be hugely helped by fine-tuning our carb intake, maybe sometimes a little more lean protein, a little more vegetables. And then sleep. If we're having an easy time going to sleep or staying asleep, that's a huge indicator that our adrenals are not happy if either one of those things are happening. So a higher um, cortisol at bedtime can sometimes make it hard for people to fall asleep, and sometimes difficulty staying asleep throughout the night can mean lower cortisol and lower blood sugar problems. So those are some ways for you to kind of just know, like right now, what type of PCOS might I have, and do I maybe also have some of these other issues? So When it comes to trying to train, so if you're somebody that wants to work out, whether you enjoy it or you're trying to lose weight, what we've always done is, like, well, just go do more, right? Like, just go start doing some more stuff and eating less. And for us, with these hormone intricacies that are already slightly off, it's very easy for us to take the stress of exercise and drive ourselves into the ground, you know, further. So honoring of the insulin and So I said to honor those above the other hormones because you get information about them, you have more say in what's going on, and you can tell really quickly in real time from one day to the next, like, am I making an impact on those hormones? But also, when it comes to the two of them, deal with cortisol first because if we are, you know, dealing with high cortisol or low cortisol as far as our stress response, it's going to be really hard to not push that, you know, gas pedal one way or the other with exercise. So for those of us that love high-intensity training or sprint work, you know, that's going to be something we have to do some of, but not too much Um, when we have a high cortisol problem, when we're kind of running on stress. When we're wiped out, we really don't tolerate that well at all. So these are any type of, you know, metabolic conditioning, sprint work. And then we think about cardio. We've got you know, walking is sort of, I call the great cortisol normalizer. So whether you know where your cortisol is, you should be able to walk a lot and have that um, for the most part. We do have some people that don't even tolerate that well when we get into some issues with autoimmunity um, and thyroid. But when we're just dealing with dealing with stress, walking is great. It takes a lot of time, and some women, you know, don't like that aspect of it. But it is something you can do and trust you're not going to push the scale in a negative way, regardless of where your hormones are at, and it's another great way to utilize your muscle mass to improve your insulin sensitivity because it's just sort of slow, gentle, doesn't tweak the stress response too much. But many women don't, they, you know, they kind of shy away from the weights and they go towards lots of cardio because it's just kind of always what we've been told to do, and it's easy, right? A lot of people, most people, even if you have gym membership, you can go running. Um, but the trouble with those, especially when it comes to um, weight loss, is that longer distance cardio, so we're talking like that, cruising along for 45 minutes to an hour, jogging or on the stairmaster. It will raise cortisol. All exercise will. So exercise is stress. But if we're going for weight loss or fat loss, we we get this cortisol rise, but we don't trigger that kind of magic fat burning combo of cortisol plus growth hormone um, and testosterone. More so, growth hormone for women. So we spend a lot of time and effort. We can kind of push our adrenals in a negative way. We don't get that kind of magic hormone brew to really dip into fat loss. And if you're a PCOS woman like me who, you know, struggles with the burning fat piece of it, that's really frustrating, right? So not only am I making my metabolism a little less effective, I spent time and energy and, and didn't get very far. So, um... That's kind of a lot of stuff when it comes to insulin and and cortisol and exercise. Is there any part of that you want me to expand on or any more specific question to kind of dig into that a little deeper?
0: Well, I think you're just really showing us that it isn't an issue of calories in, calories out. You know, you take in 500 calories and then you, you know, see the little calorie meter go up on the treadmill that, okay, I've just burned 500 calories, so now I just erased uh, the donut that I just ate. I mean, it just doesn't work that way.
1: Yeah, we've always been told that, right? We've kind of, I think we're moving away from that, and especially, so at the end of the day, yeah, you got to burn more than you take it. Now, how do you get there isn't as simple as just like, well, let's subtract from here and add more time on the treadmill. So it doesn't, we don't work so much like a math equation. The real kind of magic of it is, can you, create that caloric deficit by balancing your hormones for two reasons. One, you've already got a hormone problem. You know, you're not just the average woman with, well, I don't know if there is an average woman with no hormone problems anymore, but um, when you've got PCOS, we have at least one hormone issue. Likely you also are dealing with low progesterone, estrogen dominance, high or low cortisol, and possibly a thyroid issue. Many of you are dealing with oxidative stress and inflammation, food sensitivity, lots of GI disruption, Um, So there's all sorts of, you know, sometimes there's hyperlactin in the mix, which really um, will impact insulin even further. So you've got all this hormone stuff going on. So you have to create um, as much balance within that as you can if you're going to get results. So, yeah, it's never just one thing. And when you look at all of those things, then we deal with something called metabolic um, adapt- adaptation or stagnation. It's basically when you are putting in the effort and you're you're putting in the time at the gym and you're not um, getting the same results or you're cutting calories and you're not getting the expected results. So you shave off 500 calories either because you didn't eat them or you thought you worked them off and it, the math doesn't work in reality. And they, this is what we call thermogenesis. And this is just your body's way of getting really good at sort of you know, getting wise to our shenanigans and we start to do this thing. And that happens to everyone. So any of us can think back to like, you know, even in our earlier days, we did a certain diet and at some point it just was less effective, right? Eventually your body kind of gets used to it. Well, that adaptation—we've already got all the um, compromises in our metabolism, and places you know where our metabolism already is not efficient—and you're sort of already at adaptation and stagnation. So you really, when you just think of it as calories, don't it does, the math does not work out in our favor because um, we've got all these other shifts that are going on inside, and your body is really stuck. So one of the things to think about—I think—if you're a woman with PCOS that's looking to lose weight. You know, the diet, I think, is probably the most important thing, you know, just because it's something we do several times a day. It can have really far-reaching consequences, and it's hard to just go back and just, you know, put in time, like we said, on the elliptical and think, well, that'll cancel that out. So dialing that in and really honoring the fact that we have this carbohydrate sensitivity, whereas someone who's... You know, that leaner type that doesn't put on as much body fat, they need to eat some carbohydrates to honor the fact that they have insulin resistance. Or if someone else like me does better on a little bit more um, plant-based fat, lean, lots of lean proteins, and very little carbohydrate. So we all have that spectrum where I help them just, you know, try to find what is your, like, unique carb tolerance, I call it. So it, it goes past this, the idea of, well, you have PCOS, you should be low carb. You know, we all have, depending on your training as well and your stress levels, some adjustments we need to make within there. But when you look at that whole thing, dialing that in first, and then like you said at the beginning, I Amy, mean, you know, we've, tend to shy away from weight training and that is the most important thing for women to do, whether it's lighter or heavier, for not only like aging and bone density, but that is your sort of reserve of insulin sensitivity, is your muscle mass. Mm -hmm. That is what and we have to remember too, with exercise, there are these different types of proteins in muscles called glute transporters, G L U T. And when we exercise, we actually don't need insulin to get the glucose into the cell. These little receptors rise up to the surface and take in, you know, the sugar and the fat without needing insulin. So whether you're insulin resistant or not, exercise will always help you lower your blood sugar. So then it's just a question of, are you someone who just needs to walk? Are you someone who needs to do some, you know, sort of old-school standard body weight or um, bodybuilding kind of training where it's like eight reps? Or are you someone who can do a little bit more, like heavier weights and a little bit... um, Less reps and work with your cardio. So exercise for to me is like one of the best pieces of medicine we can give um, for someone with PCOS.
0: Yeah, and and you know I love how you talked about finding your unique carb tolerance and and in my programs I, I talk about it in 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 a way of that PCOS is sort of like this big science experiment and you have to kind of experiment with, you know, how many carbs, the types of carbs to kind of get the right combination for you. And that might change, um, you know, week by week, but like you said, by your stress levels um, and such. And I think uh, in in the article that you wrote, you had this great quote, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it, um, t- test yourself before you wreck yourself and you talk about that in terms of um, exercise too and again it's like this experimentation and you have to figure out what works best for your body by by really getting in tune and listening to the, the signals and the messages um, that you give us. So maybe you could talk a little bit about um, you know that that, that idea about testing yourself before you wreck yourself, I think that's probably um, what what those, you know, the women that are really wanting to train harder, um, what they need to, to hear, the message they need to hear.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you've probably got information on your side about that. I definitely have, you know, Finding Your Unique Carb Tolerance all over my website. So looking through some of those and take the time to figure that out. Don't um, also think that um, all that stuff with food sensitivities and not, you know, Wheat, wheat issues and dairy issues, those are really big deals for women with PCOS. And not yeah. every woman with PCOS is going to have an issue with certain, like, those bigger culprits, but it's really common, either because it's a sensitivity or because um, those foods actually create some unique insulin responses. So there's a protein in, um, there's something called amylopectin in um, wheat, and that is um something I mean, just causes a bigger insulin response and a lot more inflammation. So sometimes it's not so much you know, celiac or gluten issues, but digging in a little bit, because like, you may just have an exaggerated insulin response to wheat based things. Same thing with dairy. that It behaves a little bit more like a sugar for most women, yet we're taught, you know, we'll eat low-fat Greek yogurt, eat low-fat cottage cheese. Those are really great, you know, kinds of um, protein sources, and they don't always work so well for women with PCOS. So when it comes to, like, checking yourself and testing yourself, you know, just if you have a food that you're questioning, the easiest thing to do with stuff like that, just take it out for a month. And that might seem like a long time, but, like, pay attention and check yourself and test yourself a little bit and see if you do better. And maybe it's not something you can never have, but maybe choosing that as one of your, like, main foods that you have a couple times a day or at least several times a week maybe won't work for you as as well as something else, you know, might. And then when it comes to exercise, We've got, I think, a couple camps of people. So there's one, you know, the women who really love to exercise, but they realize that it's flaring their um, symptoms or making their PCOS, you know, worse somehow. So if we've got someone who, like you mentioned, a marathon trainer, somebody who really loves to run a lot or train for those big events, or you've got someone, like, who's doing a lot of CrossFit, um, which can just be very metabolically demanding. It's a lot of high-intensity training. And if you find that that changes your sleep or changes your appetite, changes your cravings, or you're not getting the expected results, then look to the stress of that, and maybe think about adding more standard weight training, more walking, and dialing down either the miles or dialing down the intensity of the workouts, and see if you do better. Um, we were talking before the show, Amy, as well, that I'm I put together finally a guide to managing your training and adjusting your training for your hormones. I've got all this in one spot here, finally, um, again, at my website, betterbydrbrook.com. But you know when you're doing something and you feel like you're hitting your head against the wall, we have to listen to that. So it may be something that you love. And I talk to a lot of people who, you know, not so much the marathon runners, but I do talk to a lot of women who, you know, love things like CrossFit or they love just doing high-intensity training, and then they're, feeling achy, they're feeling tired, they're feeling sore, and they're just not recovering as well, and they're definitely not getting the results that they want. So we always have to remember what worked for us before may not work for us now, like you said, time marches on. Things change throughout our cycle. You know, there might be a type of training that you do better on the first two weeks of your cycle and you have to dial it down the second two weeks because you're dealing with adrenal fatigue and lower progesterone and those more intense or longer duration workouts affect your sleep more profoundly, you know, let's say the week before your period when you really need some resources to make progesterone. Most of the PCOS don't have as healthy of ovulation all the time and make as much progesterone from our from our ovaries. So just listen to the results that you're getting, listening to the appetite, cravings, energy, and sleep and trying to just honor the fact that your body is really trying, you know, I think we spend so much time hating our bodies and being frustrated that we have this hormone issue or that, You you know, I've had PCOS since I was in my teens, right, this is not new, it's still annoying sometimes but we spend so much time, you know, being upset and fighting against that, you know our bodies are not trying to be so terrible. They are trying really to keep us going. So when they are talking, it's nice if we listen. (laughs) This is why I always say be your best friend. You know, if your best friend was saying, oh, my gosh, I am so exhausted. You know, my cravings are off the chart. My PMS is terrible. I'm having such a hard time falling asleep. I feel achy and tired every time I train. Do you think I should go to the gym and just really, you know, have a crazy hard workout for an hour? You know, your best friend would be like, no. No, you absolutely should not do that. You should probably take care of yourself, get some rest, um, maybe even get some help. But definitely today is not the day for you to push yourself. So we have to have that own voice in our head, right? So when we, our body and our hormones are giving us all these signals and we're saying, no, well, I will deal with you next week because right now I really need to focus on this. Or right now I have this deadline. Or right now whatever. We would never say that to our best friend, right? I'll get back to you in six months. I'm sorry that you're suffering and falling apart, but you do that. We'll talk later. So that can happen so easily when we're um, overtraining and, you know, eating inappropriately or just, you know, in some other way stressing ourselves out. And if we've got someone who is, you know, maybe already realized they <clears throat> excuse me, are not doing well with exercise, like every time they train, they're just kind of wiped out and it doesn't feel good for them to work out harder or it doesn't feel work- good for them to work out regularly you know, we have to think, too, with that, is there something that needs to change in your workout? Like, maybe we don't, and that this is hard, I think, when women that are dealing especially with thyroid issues they have, you know, some bad days, so they don't train. Then they have a really good day where they're like, I feel great. And so they go to the gym and they do a bunch of stuff for at home and they have a great day at work. And then they go back to the gym because so they're like, I feel so good today. And maybe they stay up too late. And so when you're, if you're someone who's been dealing with adrenal stress or thyroid issues or Hashimoto's, such as autoimmune hypothyroidism, when you're doing that and you notice that you overtrain and you're trying to work your way back up, especially I see women coming out of that adrenal fatigue place and like okay, I'm feeling good and I want to do more. Don't add another 45 minutes to your training session. You know, add another 5 minutes and see how you do. And maybe add another day per week. But what we do, I think, you know, we feel if we've been feeling bad, we feel it feels so good to feel good, we just want to do a bunch and we set ourselves back. So that's another thing back to your the quote there amy is you know yeah. test yourself and listen you know, don't do try to do a ton of something that you're afraid is not working for you but it can be hard when you um have been in that place and you don't want to stress yourself out or push yourself so then we get kind of scared to do anything so especially if you're working on losing weight you know, we always have to create like a little a little bit of stress or, or change won't happen so the Question is always: Can you give yourself a teeny bit of stress without giving yourself so much stress that you're back to wrecking yourself? You know, I loved that
0: you brought up the, the idea of you know being good to your body, and I think a lot of women um, approach exercise is it's kind of this way of um, from like a way of punishing themselves to, to you know exercise out those calories, like we were talking about in the beginning, um, and. You know, I really want women to think of of exercise as a way to kind of love love up their bodies, and you want to feel good after. And if you're feeling exhausted, um, at, like you need a nap after your workout, then then you have to listen to that. I, I, I think that there's something, you know, that that's not quite right there, and you know, try some other types of exercise. I I, I know I always come back and talk about pure bar but for me you know at 45 I can't exercise the way that I did at 25 um, and you know I've, I've was doing um, body pump for for quite a long time but then um, my shoulders started to get sore I think I was it was like too much weight too much repetition um... And so I've I, and I started feeling kind of that exhausted afterwards. So I've switched it up and, and feel really good. I'm, I'm like energized and ready to take on the day after I go to pure bar class. And that really works for me. Um, so I, just, I want women listening to, to, to exercise so they feel good and um, not so that they you know, feel that they're punishing themselves or they feel burnt out because that's what's going to make it sustainable because you keep going back for more. Of that
1: feeling yeah of and that's feelings. you know there's yeah, there's the biochemistry of that that feels bad, and there's the all the psycho emotional stuff that we have about you know exercise has always been kind of thought of as a punishment. I have to go do this because I eat something bad or I have to go do this because my body doesn't measure up in one way or another. and that's a whole important conversation that you mentioned Girls Gone Strong, so I was one of the original advisory board members for Girls Gone Strong, and that's definitely something they talk about a lot is, you know, everybody's a good body, and we have to honor this body that we have, and no one ever got anywhere, no one ever got happy hating it into change, you know, so if yes. you're someone who's like, you know, I'm trying to work on, you know, maybe you had a baby and you're trying to work on, you um, getting stronger again and getting your body to a place where you feel more comfortable or more at home. And, you know, I am very gentle with women when they're postpartum. That takes a long time to put things back together. I don't think that um, postpartum ever ends. I think our bodies are, we're forever changed by babies, and we're forever changed by decisions we make. You know, I talk to women who, maybe they don't have children, but they've, you know, high-level executives, and they've, you know, done great things in their career, and we made compromises with our, you know, stress and our hormones. So... A lot of stuff can happen for women, and we have to just continue to listen and continue to kind of honor um, the choices we've made and where we're at. And it doesn't always fit sometimes with you know our goals in the gym or our goals you know to have our body look or be a certain way. And if we're going to go about changing our body in any way, whether you want to get stronger or you want to lose body fat, you know going about it from a place of love is going to just be so much less miserable, right? you still got to do the work, but it's not, you know, I would say nourish, not punish. You know, food is nourishment. Exercise yeah. is nourishment, but we always have come at it from, you know, from the other way. That's so why I always go back to the just simple analogy of be your best friend. Like, what would your, because I think some women, they don't, they're like, well, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to listen. And, you know, think about how your best friend talks to you or how you would talk to your best friend, you know, and just adopt that voice. And I think, too, with PCOS in particular, you mentioned earlier getting getting bulky. You know, I am one of those people as well. I put on muscle really easy. I'm really quite strong. I also really love heavy strength training. And so it's funny when I used to run and sort of run myself into the ground because I always just wanted my legs to be smaller. Um, they're smaller but not leaner because it was causing a lot of stress response for me, so it wasn't burning body fat very effectively. So now that I've sort of... Ad- finally appreciated the body that I have that I do put on muscle easy and that I do get strong easy. I don't take off body fat as easy. My sort of formula has been twofold. One is I tolerate a little bit more like traditional cardio, you know, that everyone's telling you is a waste of time and going to kill you, which is not true, right? Like, we have there's a dose for all of kinds of exercise and when we balance that dose with our own hormone analysis. So I do the best on heavy training and some intense cardio and some moderate cardio. And I've also balanced my, my metabolic issues with my mindset around the fact that I am, unless I do things that drive my hormones crazy, I am not going to be super, super um, skinny. I'm not going to be super small. because if I keep myself healthy and keep my body fat low, I train a little harder and I put on some muscle. And I've had to sort of get my head around the fact that that's okay. I'm going to make this body that I have the best that it can be rather than sort of punishing it and trying to just make it something it's not. So um, my legs right now are probably in some ways bigger than they've ever been, but leaner because I've kind of found my own, um, you know, formula. And I think when we – move towards, like, training, um, where if you're someone who's just never even picked up a weight or someone who's only, um, you know, done really light things and you move into something heavier, there's, I also think something great can happen with that, too, where we can have a strength goal, which is, I think, a lot more motivating most days than a fat loss goal, because some days you just don't care so much about that, but you get to see a little progress in you feeling, feeling stronger.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, embrace the body that you have and make it the best body it can be. And and I love the idea of those um the the strength goals. I, I I really encourage women to throw away the scale. Um and I think when when you're into, you know, body fat composition and and it it just really those numbers drive you. Like if the number goes up, then, you know, mentally, you know, it kind of takes you out of your day. Um and I, I think often it can cause a lot of self-sabotage. Um, and then when the number goes down, um, you know, you have this kind of sense of everything's right in the world, but is it's just not driven from the right place. So I love the idea of, of you know, kind of ditching those, those metrics and focus on, on the strength, and I, and I often say, you know, just how you feel in your clothes, because, like, you yeah. you know, your, your legs might be bigger, but they, they might be leaner, and they're fitting better in the jeans anyway, um, so I think that, that kind of changing the metrics around um, fitness and, and your body is, is the way to go as well.
1: And remember, you get to make those decisions, right? Like, you get to decide that you don't want to lose a pound, you want to lose a pound. Those are all choices that we get to make, and that if it feels good and you feel like I feel more at home at X, Y, or Z, then move towards that in a way that works with your hormones for two reasons. One, you're going to have more success, and you won't wreck yourself in the process, and probably three reasons it's going to be more sustainable. And then if you don't feel that way, that you just want to focus on balancing health for other reasons, then we have to remember, too, that we're... We're grown-up girls, and we get to decide um, what we want for our body and what we want for our lifestyle, and um, we ha- it's hard to do that work. It's hard to keep it focused, kind of eyes on your own paper. Like, this is what is important to me, and this is, how I'm going to feel about my body and how I'm going to make the choices. But when we've got stuff like, you know, PCOS um, or thyroid issues, you know, we just have I think one other layer to honor and that's the fact that we already have a somewhat, you know, kind of deranged metabolism and so much of the popular advice is just going to blow up in our faces and it's it's why you and I um, help so many women just with this one condition because these women are super frustrated and we get it, right? We've, we've been there um, and trying to honor a lot of different hormones is is tricky, but it can be done. And I do think kind of focusing on just your PCOS crux of insulin resistance and then focusing on, you know, stress and sleep and are you managing those things well and checking in with those symptoms can really give you a lot of insight into what you should be, you know, doing differently. And I wanted to say one thing you mentioned, Amy, about doing that higher repetition weight. That is such a common thing I see with women that are doing maybe a weight that is too light for them, but they're, li- they're lifting it, you know, 15 times, it's so easy to get repetitive, you know, strain injuries like that, especially if you have a thyroid condition, but that can happen, you know, with, with any of us. So I, that's something to think about, you know, if you've got, uh, you know, taking a class like that, you know, if you're getting those issues, that's you know, really not working for you right now. So doing what you did is finding, finding a form of exercise that seems to kind of manage your hormones and make you happy and, you know, that you enjoy showing up to do.
0: No, this has been such great information. I think you answered all my questions, um, Dr. Brooke. And I would love <laughs> okay. for you to um, just kind of tell us again how uh, we can learn more about your work and maybe um, just another, like, plug for your, your opt-in um, about the, d- the different types of exercise. I think that's going to be helpful for a lot of women listening.
1: Yeah. So um, my website is betterbydrbrooke.com, and if you go there um, now, there is a a frustrated woman's fat loss, and I talk about a lot of things about today. Which is just if you're somebody who's trying to, you know, manage your hormones and work on um, weight loss, and you're feeling frustrated that whether you're going through PCOS, perimenopause, thyroid issues, or all of the above. So there's a lot of good information in there that's free. And then I'm putting together my ebook too, with all of the stuff I talked about today. So how do you modify your exercise to honor all these different um, hormone imbalances, whether that's, again, menopause, PCOS, thyroid issues, or stress issues. Um, I also have a podcast, as well, Better Every Day, with Sarah and Dr. Brooke. I do that with Sarah Fergoso, who is, most known for it, being the face of everyday paleo, although she stepped away and now just Sarah Forgoso. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Better by Dr. Brooke and on Instagram. So same thing, Better by Dr. Brooke there as well.
0: And you also um, work with clients one-on-one. I wanted you to just mention how...
1: Okay. Yeah, so yeah, again, so on my website you can fill out a... Yeah, um, there's a little contact form on my website, so just send me you know questions that you have if you're curious about working with me, or just if I'm someone that might be able to help you, um, emailing that contact form is great, or you can send an email to me directly, which is drbrooke at com. So my website is a great way to get in touch with me if you're interested in working with me, and I do work with women all over the world these days. So
0: Excellent. Well, thank you again for joining us. Um, and I want to just thank everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you liked it, don't forget to subscribe to PCUS Diva on iTunes, the podcast app or wherever you might be listening to the show and if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes. I love to hear from you. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free newsletter. Just enter your email at PCOSDiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Until next time, bye-bye.